Facebook page today. Kia ora. <laughs> uh, I'm Catherine, for those of you who don't know me. I'm a mother of the house. And uh, <laughs> what, a, what a privilege it has been to um, celebrate this weekend. But many of you uh, have come and you've, you've been part of this journey only fairly recently. And so I just wanted to share some of the things that were on my heart for, for this time. And I want to go a wee bit of a different track. We've, we, I, I've spent uh, the last two times I've been up here just talking about our history, how we got to be here, because uh, it's quite a journey. But I want to take a step back from what I've shared previously over the weekend and just come at it from a point of view of how did we get there to get here, if you know what I mean. So I want to talk about a, uh, an 18-year-old girl. And uh, an 18-year-old girl who was at school and uh, left school and then uh, had the very sad experience of watching her, one of her best friends die of leukaemia. And it was a really impacting time. Actually, Rose was friends as well, and uh, we went through this whole process together. And I had already given my heart to Jesus, so I was walking with the Lord. But there came a time where, when our friend died, we were 19, and I had to stop and say, <laughs> life could be that short for me. What, what, what has my life been? What is it, what is it meant? What is it, what's accounted for? You know, the Bible talks about our lives being like a vapour. And we're here today, gone tomorrow. And as I was praying <laughs> this afternoon for tonight, I really felt to deviate from what I've spoken over the rest of the weekend because I feel that there's people in this room tonight that you need to make some kind of a decision about your life counting. Now, on the video, we saw a lot of uh, things around uh, dreaming. Uh, there was some, some excerpts from... Uh, the women's conference which we held in October, which was this year, last year was called Dare to Dream. And part of that was dreaming the dreams of God and that each one of you has a dream and God has a dream that he wants to birth in each one of your hearts. But you know what? Time is actually shorter than sometimes we think. And it's easy to just kind of float through life and skate through life and think that we've got endless days. We don't. We just really don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Our friend died and I felt like at that time that I prayed to God and I said, God, I want my life to count for you. I whether I live six months, six years, or 60 years further from this time, I want my life to be significant, not for all the worldly reasons, but significant because of you. Yeah. 
And part of that was a verse, a scripture that God spoke to me through very powerfully. And that's in Mark. And this is the verse that, verses that God gave to me, which ultimately ended up me going off to Youth of the Mission in Holland. Uh, ultimately meant that I stayed there five years. I met this handsome Dutchman and his brother, and I married his brother. No. <laughs> I couldn't resist that one. <laughs> I, I married the older brother who looks like the younger one. Is that right? <laughs> Let's stroke Gideon's idea. <laughs> but it led me on this journey of, of uh, committing my life to God. And I want to read it to you. It's out of Mark 16. You still love me. (laughs) I just have to puff him up for a minute. Gideon, you gave me the best Valentine's Day card that you've ever done this year. (laughs) Because, you know, he normally does like these frithy, fluffy, sparkly monstrosities. (laughs) With all all these words. (laughs) Not my style. (laughs) And this year, because we said, because we're going to go to Milford and and we needed to, you know, be careful with the, the budget. Um, we said we're not doing anything for Valentine's Day, but he gave me this most amazing card, and all it said was very simple, in simple letters, it's always been you. Aww. 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 <laughs> I think I chose well. (laughs) But Mark 16, it says, And he said to them, As you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Whoever believes the good news and is baptised will be saved, and whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons and the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will heal them. Graham, thank you for your testimony. Powerful. And then it goes on to say, and the apostles went out announcing the good news everywhere as the Lord Himself consistently worked with them, validating the message they preached with miracle signs that accompanied them. God wants to confirm what we preach with signs and miracles. Now, thank God we've had that testimony tonight. But that's just scratching the surface. There is just so much more. How did we get here? Because God spoke. God spoke. 
and He placed a dream in our hearts. And He said, what about if we build a place where His presence is powerful, where there is a people who is passionate for Him, where there's a people who have a purpose in God. And we built that place. We wanted to build that place. And so in 2008, we started with a small group of people, very small group of people, which we called the Barbecue Club. And we started meeting, started gathering in our house. And there was kind of a bit of a flow, ebb and flow. Some people came and had a look and then some people left. And the purpose of that year was to figure out, was God actually speaking to us about planting a church or not? It wasn't really on our agenda, to be honest, because our call was really in training and equipping and these words that I've just read out. At the end of 2008, we agreed with a group, small group, that yes, let's proceed, let's advance. We're going to advance. And so we did. And we met in Oakland's primary school, as you've seen, started. And oh man, we'd come from a very large church. I was part of Spraden Baptist Church, which was probably one of the biggest churches in the country at that time. Went from hundreds of people to 20. Gideon used to go out every, every morning at 10 o'clock. Where's all the people? Where's the people? No, we can't start the service yet because there's nobody here. And we go like, what are you waiting for? I'm waiting for all hundreds of people to come. Every morning I would wake up on Sunday and I would go down to the piano and I would sit there and I would play and sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. That was the easier part. The next part was harder. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. I'd sing that every Sunday morning. But the dream was there. We longed to see a place established of God's presence. We long to see people's lives impacted, changed, healed, saved, delivered, transformed by the power of God and by the God who we love and the God who has transformed us and is transforming us. And so here we are. You saw what this building used to look like. We moved in here two years ago. It's been amazing. 
We've seen amazing growth since then. And we long to see more growth because we want to see our city impacted for Christ. We want to see our nation impacted for Christ. And we know that for every single person that's sitting here, you're going to influence at least 10 other people. It's not just about Gideon and I. God forbid. It would be a lost cause. But it's about you. And our task is to train and equip and release you. Our job is to encourage you. Our job is to cheer you along and to say, hey, God is with you. You've got this. We're going to be your, we're going to be cheerleaders. And so as you come into this place, you don't know the history. You don't know all the struggles that we've had. But that's fine. You can come into a place and hopefully you can go further. Because we've built a bit of a foundation. And that's just the beginning. God is wanting to establish us this year. He's wanting to establish us in prayer, in worship, in our calling, in authority, and all of these different things. And so I just want to encourage you, if you've been part of this journey, or if you're starting to be part of this journey, welcome, welcome, welcome. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, I'm done. Well done. See, it's just an incredible preach. Oh, shit, I've got to spill this water over this whole thing. You know, this morning somebody came in church. Actually, it was yesterday. Um, no, it was this morning. And they said, no, last night, sorry. And it was a friend of ours, a friend of the ministry. And they said, uh, he said to me, he said, Gideon, I've been praying for your church. And uh, he says, I, um, I believe God is saying that you're going to um, grow tenfold. Which, uh, I don't know, we have about f- maybe 400 people now. And so that will be 4,000. And that's all right. And I got kind of excited. But to be honest with you, there's a lot more we can do. 4,000 is nice, but it's 500,000 live in the city. And not only even talking about the whole nation. And like I said last year, last year, last week, um, is that God wants to open our eyes to the harvest, open our eyes to the possibilities. And like Catherine said, it takes all of us to do this. Yes, we'll grow, and other churches will grow, and you will grow. And that's the main reason we're here. We want people to grow. We want people to grow. Amen? Yes. Come on. So uh, I just want to do a fun thing. Sorry, this was serious. I want to do something funny. Do you mind? It's just a funny thing, and then I'll do a preach for 10 minutes, and then we're done. Is that right? Okay, so this is a, I heard about this man, this is funny, this, uh, this, you know. uh, I heard about this man who was on holiday in Jerusalem with his family, and all of a sudden his mother-in-law died. He went to make arrangements to get her body shipped back home, sorry, back home. The consular said it would cost $5,000 to ship her home, but only 150 to get her buried right there in Jerusalem. After deep thought, he told the consulate that he wanted to have her body shipped. The consulate said, boy, you must have really loved your mother-in-law. He said, no, it's not so much that. 
I just remember a case here years ago when they buried somebody and on the third day he arose and I can't take that chance. <laughs> That's awesome. Like Heather says, guys, I lo we love the church. We love the church because it's the place where people flourish. There's nothing like the church. And we saw it over the weekend. My brother came into the situation here and he's not... Um, you know, as, as much in faith at the moment. But the thing is, he came to this community and he saw the hundreds of people on Saturday night, this morning, hundreds of people again. He's not here tonight. But the thing is, though, he was so impressed by just the love and the family and the feel of what's going on here, you know? There's something about the church. It is so encouraging. It is inviting. It is vibrant. There's worship and music and the stuff happens. And this, isn't it? There's nothing like the church. And I love the church. Do you love the church? I love the house of God. I've got a few scriptures here in the Bible. Psalm 84 says this, Better one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Right? I love this in the message translation. One day spent in your home, sorry, in your house, he says, this beautiful place of worship. I love this place of worship. He beats thousands spent on Greek island beaches. I mean, Greek island beaches is amazing. Who's been to, who's been to Greece? Amazing place. Still, there's nothing like the church. There's nothing like worshiping God in the church. I'd rather scrub the floors in the house of my God than to be honored as a guest in the palace of sin. There's nothing like the church. I love this, Psalm 92. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. They shall grow like cedars in Lebanon. Cedars are very, very high trees, huge trees. And those who are planted in the house of God, everybody say planted. Planted in the house of God, they shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. That's amazing, isn't it? All the people 15 years and over say, praise Jesus. All the old people will still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in him. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish and they keep flourishing and there's no age limits. Isn't it amazing? I was saying this morning, I come from four generations of missionaries, right? And a pastor, I'm some PK and an MK. I'm, I'm a missionary kid and a pastor's kid, same time. And the thing is, though, my grandfather was 82 years old, was still going to the mission field again, and then he died. What a great way to go. You know, going, just going. You don't stop. You don't 65 says, hey, it's all over. Man, for some people, you got more time now. It's actually starting for you. So anybody who's over 60, man, come on, your time is coming. Hey? And paid by the government to do it. Yeah. Now, you could get a bit of a raise, you know. I mean, like they could do it a bit more generous, you know. But the thing is, though, it's amazing what they can do. Planted in the house of God. Absolutely wonderful. I love this in the Passion Translation. Look at how you've made your lovers to flourish like palm trees, each one growing in victory, standing with strength. You've transplanted them into your heavenly courtyard where they are thriving before you. Everybody say Thriving. Isn't that a great word? Thriving. Thriving. It's hard for me in Dutch. It's, th it's just really not really natural for me. Of course, I've had years of it now, but I've still sometimes I can say, it's thriving. I say, well, I'm trying my best, you know. But thriving. Thriving is a great word. So we'd be thriving when we plant it. 
Plants thrive when they have good soil. They grow and water, you know. Thriving in the house is beautiful. For in your presence, they will still overflow and be anointed. Come on, man. Live in the overflow. Live in the overflow. Even in their old age, they will stay fresh, bearing luscious fruit and abiding faithfully. I love this. We flourish when we are planted, <clears throat> when we are rooted deeply in the soil of God's house, wherever you worship. If you worship in this church, great, be planted in this church because I know when you stick your roots down into the church, you'll find there's so much sap, there's so much stuff there for you to grow. And you start, man, I'm growing. This is just amazing because that's what happens when you get put into healthy soil. Plants start growing. It is absolutely amazing, strong and tall. Actually flourish in the Hebrew means to be fat, to be green, and to be full of sap. Come on, we all say it. Fat and green and full of sap. Now, so you, you know you can be fat. It's fine. Your New Year's resolution's out the window. You know? Fat and green and full of sap. Absolutely. That's what God wants in our lives. I love this in Psalm 1, and we read it last week. What delight comes to those who follow God's ways, their pleasure and passion is remaining true to the word of I am, meditating daily and day in and day, in our, sorry, day out in the true revelation of light. And I hope you're doing that even in this time of prayer and fasting that we have time, that you spend some time every day with Jesus because we talked about earlier on, that's the only way you're going to deconstruct and construct stuff in your life. There's nothing else in life where you can build your life on than Him. So read His Word, meditate on His life. Maybe just fast something. One of these things is helpful because most people are addicted to this stupid thing. And so why don't you just say for a while, that's what I'm doing at night, trying to anyway. I'm doing okay. Uh, it's like after nine o'clock, it's hard if it's your job too, you know. Uh, but you know, it's like, uh, you know, things after nine o'clock, I, I stop it. I say, bye-bye, you know, and not talking anymore. Because we do this thing until early morning, you know. So it's no, no more. Now I'm going to spend some time with God. I'm going to read the word, spend some time with God. That's amazing. That's a good fast. So I just want to encourage you to do stuff like that, you know. That says, um, where was I? Flourishing tree. Oh, yeah. They'll be like standing like, see, if you do that, if you, if you meditate, that, you, they will be stand fir standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of their life, never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, and ever prosperous. See, it's time that we get established in the right things. Many of us through our lives in all kinds of situations, we've lived our lives, and somehow we get established in some kind of stuff, you know, but the stuff is not always good stuff for you. Not always good stuff for me. And so we need to be reestablished, right? Deconstruct and construct. Stuff in our lives that was not helpful and then stuff in life that is helpful. Now, one of the things very helpful is God's word. It is very powerful. It's alive. Did you know that? The book is alive because it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And when you read it, things happen. Life flows into your life. So read the Bible. Spend time with Jesus. Because it will change your life. It will encourage you, strengthen you in every way. I, uh, I'm so upset. This, this, I actually posted it on my Facebook thing about the youth suicide again. That we are still in the Western world, one of the highest in the world. Highest in the globe. It's terrible in the Western world. Third, uh, six times more than Holland. 13 times higher than Israel and Greece. So maybe it's quite good to be in Greece on the beach. You know? Maybe actually it's quite good in some ways, you know. But the thing is, though, it's very, very sad, guys. 
And, and, and so my question is, what kind of culture have we created in this nation? What kind of culture, what kind of life, what kind of soil is at the root of our lives here? That people actually want to kill themselves. Why on earth would they want to kill themselves? So I know there's lots of reasons for it. But I'm trying to challenge you and I'm trying to challenge me and the church like this because we actually have the answer. We want to see, we want to think about, okay, Lord, what kind of fruit do we want to have in our lives and the lives of our kids? And if we answer that question, they say, hey, some things have to change. We've got to better work on this soil to make a better life for them that they not kill themselves. But they actually have a flourishing, full life. Like I said yesterday, I love that quote by St. Ananias 85 AD. He says, man fully alive is the glory of God. Or humans that are fully alive is the glory of God. God wants us to, have, to be fully alive. He made us to be fully alive. What does, it make, what does it look to be fully alive? Well, one thing it does look like, I know, is to be in a community of faith, <clears throat> in a community of encouragement, where you get feed life, accountability, love, responsibility, encouragement, all these things, and you find yourself growing. Yes. Now, Catherine and I and, and the whole our church, we want to be like that. We want to be a place. But the thing is, though, it kind of comes from the top. I get that in the sense of we, we want to be like that and because we inspire you to be like that. But actually, it's all of us being like this. It is not just me and Catherine being like this. It is all of us being like this. When people come into this building, they sense something. I think last week somebody came in here and they said this. They said uh, in the response card, maybe you're sitting here. But they said, very welcoming church. Felt right at home. I have never had such strong spiritual connection during my first time at a church. See, to me it says that we're doing a good job. We're doing a good job because when they come in and they feel this connection with God and with people, hey, we're building a culture where people feel alive. They said, hey, I can connect with God, connect with people. This is really healthy for me. That's what I want. And then they're going to be part of a small group and then they're going to sort out their lives and things start happening in their lives. That's what we want, guys. It's so exciting and all of us do this. All of us can be involved with this. That's what I think is so wonderful. I love this about Holland. Uh, just quickly again, because I just want to show you, and because I love Holland, um, I want to show this quickly. When you go into Holland, when you fly into Holland, this is what you see. I don't know if you've ever flown into Holland. This is what you see. Now, and these are not uh, just paddocks, you know, not like this grass. These are all greenhouses. <coughs> miles and miles of greenhouses. Now, do you know about this? Some of you are saying, oh my God, have you ever seen this? It's amazing, because Holland, the weather is not that great. Generally. But what they, they're so smart, these Dutch people. Really, you got to give it to them. They're very smart people. They, what they did is, okay, let's build these greenhouses, these hothouses. Kassen. Noemen wij ze in Nederlands. Kassen. Everybody say kassen. Yeah, kassen is good. Greenhouses. Because in greenhouses, you can control the temperature. You can control the soil. You can control the moist. You can control the sun. The, everything, the heat. And you make an optimal environment for these plants to grow. And the Dutch are now famous for all over the world exporting these beautiful plants, flowers. I mean, flowers, they love flowers. Flowers, vegetables, they go everywhere. All in there. Now, for me, I've been so inspired by this because this is the church. The church is like a greenhouse. The church is like a kingdom culture where Jesus reigns, where his Holy Spirit is alive. Now, in a house like this, in a greenhouse like this, people come alive and we all come alive. So I want to inspire you. I want to inspire myself 
to build this place together. And I challenge you to build this with me because your life is a greenhouse too. When people meet you, what do they see? What do they feel? What do they smell? <laughs> Some of you need to wear deodorant because <laughs> they don't always, they, they can't even get past you because of the smell in your life, you know? But sure, come on, guys. The, the thing is, though, we need, to, we need to ooze Jesus in our lives. The sap of life, the sap, he is Jesus Christ. He is the one in our lives. And people start feeling Jesus and smelling him and stuff starts happening. It's just absolutely amazing. So I want to be like this, man. And I thank you. Many of you are planted here in this church and are being planted. Praise God. Thank you. Welcome. Let's be planted deeply, get some deep roots in this place, and then, and then start seeing what God is going to do through your life and through our lives together. Yeah. Unlimited, guys. Yeah. Unstoppable. Yeah. Unstop the Holy Spirit, unstoppable. Yeah. Come on, guys. Let's go together and make this happen for His glory. Amen? We become this plantation of healthy produce. And people that are growing. And then when people come in and say, wow, this is an amazing place, you know. And then you start ah, ministering to them and blessing them and taking them out for lunch. And they're in pain. And he said, I can help you with your pain. And I can heal you because somebody else got healed in church the other day. And Oh, this is so beautiful. This is the church. Yes. Now, what does the word flourish mean in the dictionary? Look at all the words. It's just amazing. I'm almost done. Well, it's just amazing. It means <clears throat> to grow. To thrive, to prosper, to develop, to bear fruit, to increase, to multiply, to advance, shoot up, spring up, blossom, bloom, boom. It's actually in the dictionary. Boom. Everybody say boom. Come on, guys. We want to be a church where we boom. Come on. Boom. Blossom, boom. Go ahead. Do well. This is what it means to flourish. God wants you to boom. Yeah, come on, let's be the booming people. You know, the boomers. We are the boomers. Not just the baby boomers, we're just the boomers. You know, no age limit. Young and old. Booming people. This, this is what God has for his church. This is what God has for your life.